You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning, our scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 23, and reading verses uh, 39 through 43. Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 39 and ending in verse 43. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. As we are in the middle of Holy Week, I want to draw our attention to one of the most beautiful stories of the cross that we have in Scripture. Let us pray. Allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. What the Gospel of Luke does not tell us, the Gospel of Matthew makes clear. This penitent criminal who cries out to Jesus in the last moments of his life, Matthew tells us that at the beginning of the day, he joins with the other criminal. He joins with the crowds in hurling insults at Jesus Christ. He mocks Jesus Christ. He blasphemes Jesus Christ. And what the Gospel of Matthew does not tell us, the Gospel of Luke makes clear that in the short hours that this penitent criminal is on the cross, there is a wondrous uh, change that happens to him as he is on the cross with Jesus Christ. He begins the morning, Matthew tells us, as a criminal, but Luke tells us that he ends as a child of God. Matthew tells us that he begins the day as a blasphemer, but he ends the day as a believer. And this story of the penitent criminal on the cross demands that we ask the question, what happened on the cross to this criminal that brought such wondrous change and transformation in his life? And this passage in Luke gives us clues as to what happens to him. First, we see that this criminal recognizes the significance of Jesus' death on the cross. He sees what's happening here. Now, this is significant because Jesus has spent his time with his disciples, uh, not just his three, not just his twelve, uh, but his large band of followers trying to help them to understand his kingdom. And he has told them on multiple times that he must be handed over to the religious leaders, that he must suffer many things, die a shameful death, and then be resurrected on the third day. But his disciples who follow him, it goes completely over their heads. They cannot understand what he is saying. And yet we see through this penitent criminal 
that he perhaps is the very first human being to see that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross is not the end of his kingdom. It is not at the end of the potential of Christ's kingdom, but that in fact, Christ is going to come into his kingdom through the cross. Remember the criminal, this penitent criminal cries out, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. In this moment, he sees that the cross is not the end, but it is going to be the means by which Christ comes into his kingdom. And even more significant for this criminal, he recognizes that if this is the way that Christ is going to come into his kingdom, that someone like himself, Someone who has been a blasphemer, someone who has been a mocker, someone who has been a criminal, someone who recognizes that they are getting exactly what they deserve. He sees in this that there is a place in the kingdom for someone like him. So this criminal is the first one to see that this is not the end of Christ's kingdom, but this is the way he's going to come in to his kingdom. And that someone like himself is, has a place in Christ's kingdom. Uh, many of you know that I teach uh, theology. And I think one of the greatest questions in theology is, is why does the eternal Son of God come? And why does he live and die on a cross? And the Nicene Creed answers this question for us. And it makes very clear. It says, for us and our salvation. And so when Christ is born, uh, when Christ is conceived, when Christ is, uh, is, is born, uh, when the eternal Son of God humbles himself to be born among us and to live among us and to die among us, what is in his mind? It is us and our salvation. And somehow this penitent criminal on the cross recognizes that what Jesus is doing here has everything to do with him. I am a huge fan of an early church father by the name of Gregory of Nyssa. And uh, Gregory of Nyssa uh, asks the question in his catechism, uh, why does Jesus die on the cross? And he gives a number of, of different answers. But uh, one of the answers that he, he gave was that the cross is the only means of capital punishment. It's the only way that capital punishment takes place in which a person is crucified with their arms stretched open wide. And Nyssa reminds us that the reason why his arms are stretched open wide is because it is a tangible, visible reminder that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, in the kingdom of God, stands before us, ready to embrace the least, the last, and the lost, ready to embrace the penitent one that comes to him. And this penitent criminal recognizes in this moment the significance of Jesus' death. This is not the end of Christ's kingdom. This is the way that Christ is going to come into his kingdom. And because this is the way that Christ is going to come into his kingdom, that there is a place in the kingdom for someone like this criminal. One of the things that Satan will do to us 
is that He will speak into our ear. He will whisper into us that because of our sin, God no longer loves us. That because of the things that we've done in life, God no longer cares for us. The enemy will whisper that into our ears. Sin will lie to us and it will tell us that we must flee from God in shame and in guilt over our sins. But this cross of Jesus Christ reminds us that with his arms stretched open wide, he is ready to receive. This is the ultimate testimony that dispels every lie of Satan. This is what dispels what sin would whisper in our ears. Jesus dies on the cross so that he might come into his kingdom and that people like us, people like criminals, might have a place in it. Lord, when you come into your kingdom. But second of all, we see in uh, this uh, story that uh, the criminal, this penitent criminal, is reconciled to Christ. So he first recognizes that uh, the significance of the cross, but second of all, he is reconciled to God in this moment. As I said, Matthew tells us that he begins the day joining with the crowds and hurling insults and mocking Christ, joins with the other thief on the cross. But at some point along the way, he sees the truth of the cross. He sees the truth of Jesus. And he cries out to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then what we see is this one who has been a blasphemer, one who has mocked Christ, one who has lived a degenerate life, is reconciled to Christ because Christ says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So what happens on the cross? Second of all, on the cross, this criminal is reconciled to Jesus. He is brought into a right relationship with Christ. And because he is reconciled to Christ, he then becomes an heir uh, with Christ, with all the benefits and all the rights and all the privileges of uh, the kingdom of God. Uh, I am uh, reminded I was supposed to preach a, a sermon earlier in the semester, didn't get a chance uh, to do it, in which I was going to preach on uh, the Trinity. And one of the most important questions in theology, if not the most important question in theology, is this, who is God? Now, what is God is an incredibly important question, but who is God is an even more important question. And our Christian answer to that is that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all of eternity, apart from creation, not having anything to do, not being contingent upon creation. God has been eternally Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so what we recognize in this, if we think about it more clearly, that uh, while we would recognize in relationship to creation that God is sovereign and God is king, but I want you to know what we recognize in knowing the name of God and the significance of the name of God is that before God was a king, he was a father. 
And we also recognize that before there was a kingdom, a reign or rule, there was a family. And because God was father before king, because he was family uh, before kingdom, then even though you and I are citizens of the kingdom, even something more fundamental to that is that we are adopted children. We are sons and daughters of God, brought into the family of God. What happens to this criminal is he is reconciled to God and he becomes a child. He becomes an adoptive son of God with all the rights and the privileges and the responsibilities that go with that. So this penitent thief, first of all, recognizes the significance of the cross. Second, he is reconciled to God. He turns from his sins. He rebukes the other criminal from the activity that he himself was joining in earlier. He cries out to Christ, and Christ tells him, Today you will be with me in paradise. And so he will be a citizen of the kingdom. But even more importantly, and even more fundamentally, he becomes an adoptive son of God. Third, we see that uh, this penitent thief uh, begins to enter into a new life. So uh, first, again, he uh, he recognizes the significance of the cross. Second, he is reconciled to Christ while he's on the cross. And then third, uh, we see that he receives new life. One of the things that I love so much about the story of Scripture, yes, there's change and transformation that happens to people over a long period of time. But we also have these testimonies of the power of God to change lives in a short time. Please hear me. I know that we live in a day and an age that is very skeptical of the power of God to change lives in a few hours, to change lives in a moment. But I will tell you that when we look at this penitent thief on the cross, who sees the significance of the cross, who's reconciled to Christ while he's on the cross. He also, while he's on the cross, begins to receive new life. There is such a dramatic change and transformation in his life. He truly has been, uh, we see uh, bubbling up in him, uh, new life. And we see a change and transformation in his desires. We see a change and transformation in his will. And it happens in such a short amount of time, he experiences true change. Now, in this last few moments, I want to, again, share with you uh, the beauty of this glorious story. And especially during Holy Week, we have an opportunity to reflect what takes place on the cross in Jesus Christ. And there is no better vantage point to see what takes place on the cross than through this penitent criminal. And he helps us to see that the cross is not the end of Christ's kingdom, but it is the way that Christ is going to come into his kingdom. And that you and I have a place in that kingdom, all criminals, all sinners. And it is the cross of Jesus Christ that dispels the lies that the enemy would tell us, the lies that sin would tell us, 
that, uh, that we are uh, undeserving, that we cannot be a part of Christ's kingdom. We cannot be embraced by God. But second of all, we see that through the cross, uh, just like this penitent cr criminal, you and I can truly be reconciled to God, that we can truly not just be citizens, but we can be sons and daughters, that we truly can be the children of God with all the rights and the privileges that come with this. And third, we are reminded, as Easter always reminds us through life and death and resurrection and the power of resurrection, that our lives are capable of being not just changed and transformed over time, but that our lives can be transformed in the matter of hours, that you and I can experience new birth, new life in Jesus Christ. This is the good news. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.